Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, Crossview Church. Welcome to Church Online. We're so thankful that you can be with us in this form, in this fashion. I want to encourage you as we move toward the end of our service to just prepare your hearts and your minds for a time of continued worship and communion together. We're excited to be able to do that again this week uh, together, but online. This week, uh, today, we're going to continue in our series called Life After Easter, and we're going to be moving out of the book of Acts for just one Sunday. In fact, we're going to look this morning at a very well-known passage of Scripture. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at all of the whole chapter 13, and this chapter, as you may well know, is often called the love chapter of the Bible. Now, this scripture is often read at things like wedding ceremonies. So therefore, we can characterize the love that this scripture talks about sometimes in kind of a more romantic and sentimental way. You know, while there's room for that, this type of love, that the, the type of love that this passage describes is much more than that as well. And it's this deeper understanding of love that informs the disciples' life after Jesus' death and resurrection and after his ascension. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly applicable for us in our day today as well. You know, so these, these past few weeks, we've been looking at what life was like for the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, and we've been asking, how did they live as resurrection people? And then how can we do the same? So just kind of as a summary, we've talked about a few things together. We've talked, the first week we talked about the disciples' ability. We had this example of Peter and John, their ability to be bold and courageous in the midst of what was an uncertain and very fearful time for the, for the followers of Jesus. The second week, uh, we talked about how the disciples were, were filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and how we today receive that same Spirit. And last week, we focused on the disciples' example of fixing their eyes on Jesus, no matter what they faced in life. So in the context of our larger series, what does 1 Corinthians 13 have to do with life after Jesus for the disciples? So let's just remember a little bit of the context of the disciples find themselves in. They're living in a very dangerous and uncertain time unsure of whether their group will continue. Uh, but as we've seen over the past few weeks, they have managed to be uh, to live faithful uh, even in the face of certain death. And they've even thrived as a community. It's fascinating to watch and we're very encouraged by what they have been able to do following the uh, death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. They've challenged us to be people whose version of Christianity is worth all that it took to get Christianity to our day. They've challenged us to be people whose version of faithfulness is wholehearted and inspiring to others. Uh, often we've seen the disciples uh, speak of the truth of Jesus in confident ways that really challenge uh, the Jewish and the Roman leaders and even challenging the predominant thinking of the culture of their day. They've made this faith claim about Jesus' death and resurrection, and they're giving everything to it. And what's been driving them is the filling of God's spirit, like we talked about, God's power, and the truth flowing through their hearts and minds. But there's also something else that was driving them. 
And this is where we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now keep in mind, I want you to keep in mind the stories that we've looked at of Peter and John, of Stephen. We've talked about Paul a little bit. I want you to keep all of those people in mind and all the other disciples that we know of as we read this passage together. So we're going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a wonderful passage, so here we go. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. In a very pastoral letter to the church in Corinth, in Corinth uh, the Apostle Paul commands and encourages the Christians there to love one another. Essentially, he says, practice love. This is a powerful word when you think about all that the disciples were going through after Jesus' death and resurrection. Practice love, he says. So what does it look like for Peter and John to, to love those who are putting them on trial in Acts 4 and 5? Or what does it look like for Stephen to love those who are lying about him and who will eventually stone him to death in Acts chapter 6 and 7? Stories we've looked at over these past few weeks. What does it look like to practice love in a hostile and dangerous culture with people actively seeking your destruction? That's what the disciples were facing. For us today, what does it look like to practice love to those we disagree with or to love those we'd rather not be around? In order to answer these questions, we need to understand this type of love that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the love that is driving the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, after Jesus' time on earth is over. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul teaches about the character of love. Christians are bombarded every day with countless and often conflicting images about what love is and what love looks like. In fact, what probably happens in your mind when you hear 1 Corinthians 13 is maybe at first we think about that romanticized notion of love like we talked about at the beginning. Yet this passage is stunning and powerful and it really needs no help from us when you understand that this scripture came out of crisis and conflict. You see, the, Corinthians, the Corinthian church 
Uh, the Corinthian Christians are abusing their freedom. They're refusing to share. They're treating their neighbors as worthless. They're seeking recognition for themselves. They're jockeying for position in the church. Paul hears of what's happening and he says, no, 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 that needs to stop. You need to practice love and practice the kind of love that Jesus showed us. And do you want to know what that love is like? Well, here's a little secret. There is nothing sentimental about the kind of love, the image of love that we get um, through the life of Jesus. The, the love that Jesus shows us, Paul's describing is not just sentimental. This type of love that Paul is talking about is active, it's tough, it's resilient, and it's long-suffering. All elements of love that Jesus showed us as he made his way to the cross. All aspects that you and I need to, fa to uh, practice in this pandemic that we face today. A love that is active, tough, resilient, and long-suffering. The type of love that Paul is describing is a love called agape love. It is the unconditional love of God to humanity. It is the type of love that is embodied most visibly in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now here's the thing. Agape love is not at first a feeling. Rather, it is an action. And that's what you and I need to recognize. It is active love. 1 Corinthians 13 in verses 4 through 8, we see this word love. It's the subject of 16 verbs in a row. It happens in every phase. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Our English translations make the depth of this statement a little difficult to grasp sometimes. In English, love is described as rather a static kind of sense. Love is patient. Love is kind. But instead, in the original language, Paul's claims about love are they're active. Love shows patience. Love acts with kindness. Or that it's actively rejoicing in and with truth. Love is busy. Love is active. Love never ceases to work. And this type of love that we see in Jesus, that we find in the disciples, that we are called to as followers of Jesus, is always finding a way to express itself for the good of others. The point is not a flowery description of what love is in some abstract and theoretical sense, but of what love does. It brings new meaning to when Paul says, practice love. This love seeks not only its own good, but the good of the one who is loved. And Paul's descriptions are fairly convicting when we think about it. Is love self-serving in my life? That's a good question to ask. Or maybe we should ask, how often is love self-serving in my life? Where do I need to shift or deepen my understanding of love to one that is active for the sake of someone else so that they can see Jesus? Paul's description of the character of love helps us to see the power that this type of love can have in our lives, in our church, and in our world, especially in these days. 
Living out this type of love is part of what made the disciples so different in the days following Jesus. And they did this in the midst of a crisis. It's fascinating. This isn't just a suggestion, it's the definition of Christian community. As followers of Jesus, we practice love. We want this to be a characteristic of who we are as people and as a church and as Crossview Church, that we are a place and a people full of love, active love, a love that is active, tough, resilient, and long-suffering. Remember, this type of love is the love that God has for you and for me and for all of humanity. It's the type of love that's put on display by Jesus, by his disciples in some very difficult circumstances. Now, I'm not going to ask us this morning where you struggle with loving others in this way, because I think on some level we all do. Rather, I'll ask that God's Spirit help reveal to each of us where we need to be more active in love or where our understanding of love needs to deepen or change. Hear the words of Paul to the Christian community 2,000 years ago and hear his words for the Christian community today. This is, has always been, and will continue to be a primary aspect of the Christian community no matter what century we are in. That we are a people who practices love, active, tough, resilient, and long-suffering love. You see, the thing about this chapter is that it's not just a piece of good advice. Paul expects that this type of love will be lived out in the church regularly. That's the whole purpose of this chapter. So let's ask, how can we do this? How can we live out this type of love? Well, first, and here's the good news, this chapter affirms that we have already been fully known and fully loved by God, which means that we are not just simply left to our own capacity for love. We can love because God has already fully known us and has fully loved each of us. Isn't that great news? We're fully known, fully loved, and we receive power from the Holy Spirit through the filling of the Holy Spirit like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. God through his Spirit enables us to love as we are commanded to, which I'm very thankful for because sometimes People are hard to love, right? If we were all gathered together, I'm sure this is where we'd get a lot of amens. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is working through those of us who follow Jesus to make our lives and our communities look more like this resilient, active, long-suffering, and tireless love. That's the first thing. Second, we learn to love in the context of community. This one can be difficult. This is obvious from the chapter that we are looking at today. One of the easiest ways not to reduce this chapter to a sentimental platitude about love is to recognize the context in which it comes from. The Corinthian church is doing battle within itself. Paul writes this not to offer a reflection about the way things should be, but rather to call the Corinthians to an account for their behavior. Everything he says love is, they are not. Everything he says love is not, they are. This is provocative writing that demanded that the Christians in Corinth take a hard look at the less than positive side of their community life. Community is hard, isn't it? And yes, it is necessary for us. 
I think we feel that deeply, especially right now in isolation as we are at home during the midst of this pandemic. One author I read wrote this, in the context of community, we are apprenticed in love, practiced love. We are apprenticed in love, unlearning our false visions of love and relearning God's grand vision of love, most visibly seen in Jesus Christ. The context of community is the training camp of love. I love that. Even in the midst of the hurts and the pains and the difficulties within community, Paul says and writes to the church, you cannot give up on love. It needs to be active, resilient, and long-suffering. The kind of love that is possible when people are formed and supported by a God-inspired community can have a significant impact on our lives, the lives of our families, the lives of our neighborhood, and even the world around us. I mean, look at the disciples as a great example. It's also in the context of this Christian community that we are constantly reminded of the grand biblical drama of God's plan to make his love fully available through Jesus for every person. We can't forget what God has done from the beginning of the story to the very end of the story. And so we press in and we practice a love that is active, tough, resilient, and long-suffering as it was modeled by Jesus. Think about this, that we follow a Jewish rabbi that would eventually eclipse the fame of every single Roman emperor in the entire Roman Empire. We follow a man who stood against injustice at every level. We follow a teacher who taught that we are to love our neighbor, that we are to love our enemy, and that we are to turn the other cheek, that we are to be people of grace and forgiveness. We are a part of a community called Christians who would gather early in the morning on the first day of the week. They would sing a hymn to Jesus. They would share a story, perhaps a fragment of a letter that they had received or heard about from one of, of their followers. They would renew their vow to each other to be faithful to Jesus. They would renew their, their oath to be women and men above reproach, to be honest, to work hard, and to be people of great and active, resilient and long-suffering love. And in those little gatherings, in homes and under trees, in courtyards, you would find, like we said last week, both masters and slaves, women and men, children, parents, farmers, merchants, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, soldiers, people from all walks of life. And these little pockets of people, as they would gather, they believed the most unbelievable of things. They believed that God came in the flesh, that he was found in the person of Jesus, that he died, was buried, that he rose from the dead and was now with them in spirit. They believed that God forgave their sin and renewed their life because of love. They believed that every single person that they would ever see, ever meet, had intrinsic value. They believed that Jesus loved them and tasked them to do the same. From the beginning of our story up until this very day, we are people that are defined by the love of our God, a love that is active, tough, resilient, and long-suffering. Ty this type of love is not easy. 
It can be messy and it can be difficult. It's the kind of love that only God can produce through his spirit. So let God's spirit speak to your heart this morning about your capacity for this type of love. And through God's spirit, may we all have the boldness and courage to love like Jesus, especially in these days, to be driven just as the disciples were by the same type of love that they were shown and that set them free. That is true of you and me as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that from the beginning of the story to this very day, our life in you is marked by love. Love that you gave to us, love that you showed us, love that compelled you to the cross. Let us not forget that. And in just a moment or two, as we, as we practice and, and take communion together in our homes, that we remember that you were driven by this type of love. It wasn't a romanticized and easy kind of love. It had to be active. It was tough. It was resilient. And it was long-suffering. God, I pray that you help us understand the depth of the love that you have for us. That you, you love us in the midst of everything that's going on. You love us enough to call us to repentance and to forgive us. You love us in the midst of our suffering and in our struggle. You love us in the midst of our isolation. That we can be people who help others see your love by our words and our actions. If we change our mind, uh, change the way we think about love to this resilient and active love, that we know that we need to be grace-filled people, grace-dispensing people, knowing that relationships are not always easy, but that we can be grace-dispensing people, course-correcting people. We can make changes in our life as we need and be willing to flex, be willing to give grace and experience the love that you give us. We thank you for your love that saved our lives. We praise you, we honor you, we love you, we give you all the worship, all the praise. You are worthy of it. Now be with us in these next few moments as we continue to worship and as we take communion together. We love you, Jesus. May we be a community marked by that love. In your name we pray, amen.